Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Thursday morning. We welcome each and every one of you, as always, to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Big, big, big day today. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a to high noon. We stream live, YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. Are we back on Facebook now? No, we, we still are not back on Facebook. All right. Well, maybe we will, maybe we won't. <laughs> uh, you can find us in podcast form if you so choose. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. We talked about it being a big day, big night. Some might say it's overhyped. And they're probably right. Nonetheless, a big night, because after all, football is king, and football is king in this town right now. The NFL Draft gets underway tonight, 8 Eastern time. Who will be the number one pick? What quarterback goes first, second, third, even fourth? Who do the Bengals take at 28? Do they make a trade to move up in the draft? Mm. Do they go O-line, tight end, cornerback, maybe a pass rusher? How about running back? So many questions, so many decisions for Duke Tobin and company. What trades overall might occur? They happen every year, right before the draft, even during the draft. Now, we're going to be giving out today our top 10 picks, and here's a deal, okay? This is what we would do. Right? When it comes to, or no, forgive me. We're going to give our top picks as to what we think is going to happen today, each of the four of us. And we're joined by not only Casey McAllister and Paul Fritchner, but we also have Reed Mouse in the house. Yes, we do. All right. So it's going to be what we think will happen on the top 10. Okay. And then we're going to give what we would do with the Bengals pick at 28, assuming there are no trades, no movement, no nothing, we'll each give three players that we think, you know, might be in that decision-making mix, and then each pick the player that we would pick, okay? So that's the way we're going to handle it today. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars left tackle Cam Robinson reportedly is facing a multi-game suspension for PED use. Now, you want to talk about missing a paycheck, boys and girls. Mm. This is right down to the nitty-gritty. For every game that he is suspended, he just signed like a $53 million extension before last year, $888,888 per week. Could you imagine getting a paycheck? For that per week. Wow. In baseball, I mean, Nick Kirby's in the house, so you know it's an important day, right? Absolutely. What is going on with your Cincinnati Reds? They limped home after the weekend, got swept in Pittsburgh. They knew they were facing the Rangers, pretty decent team, right? And what do they do? They sweep Texas right on back down to Arlington, Texas. Nick Senzel clubs a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth, 5-3 the final. That home run, 
ended the team's longest drought without a long ball in 32 years, spanning 79 innings. The team will travel today across the country, open a series tomorrow in Oakland. Former UC Bearcat, now with the Oakland Athletics, Ryan Noda, kind enough to join us today. That'll be at 11.15. To preview the series, we'll also talk about his long journey. Bouncing around in the minor leagues, three different organizations since leaving UC and making it to the big leagues. As Paul likes to call it, the association. The top seed in the East is gone. Milwaukee falls in a thriller to Jimmy Butler and the eighth seed Miami Heat. 128-126 in overtime and win the series four games to one. The four seed Cavaliers. They're gone. Four games to one against the Knicks. So New York and Miami collide. That's up next in an unexpected second round series that gets underway on Sunday. Out West, Golden State got 31 from Steph Curry. And how about your homeboy, Paul? Draymond Green. First time he'd scored 20 plus since Christmas of 2019. <laughs> he goes for 21 off the bench. In the Game 5 win over Sacramento, and that was in Sacramento, 123-116. The Lakers' lead is down to 3-2. Drilled by Memphis last night. That series goes back to L.A. tomorrow. Boy, how big is that game? You don't want to go back to Sacramento, I mean, to uh, Memphis for Game 7. Huge game for LeBron and company. Tonight, Boston can close out Atlanta in Game 6 of that series. The winner takes on Philadelphia, who seemingly has been off for a month after sweeping Brooklyn four games tonight. Before we dive into the whole NFL thing, your Red Legs. I know, Tom. I, I don't know if you see the chat, but they are demanding. Not happen. They are, they nope. are demanding nope. that you wear... Nope. This beauty right here. Nope. That has, that has clinched a series. Nope. You're going to deny your fans that, that glory? Glory is a strong word. No, I'm not wearing the Viking helmet. Uh, everybody demanding here that I wear it. I mean, Brian's been on it since the second the chat uh, showed up. Boom shakalaka is back today. But, you know, it, it, it is funny. Um, and Nick Kirby, by the way, says he'll be watching Lake County at Dayton tonight and Rocket City at Chattanooga tonight. That's why we have Nick on the show, along with Trace. I mean, dialed in. Big league club and the minor league teams, right? Absolutely. And everything going on. But, uh, you know, give it up to the Reds. Uh, they came home. And I'll say this, and I made the comment uh, yesterday. Uh, the Rangers are going nowhere. It's a great series win for the Reds. I'm not taking anything away from them because as bad as they looked against the Pirates, they showed a lot of heart and a lot of toughness and a lot of uh, intestinal fortitude in that series against Texas. Texas is going nowhere unless they address that bullpen. That, that bullpen is brutal. I don't think their starting pitching is any good. Uh, but, you know, I know they got DeGrom and, you know, he's been kind of in and out, hurt a little bit. Hadn't pitched really in three years. John Gray's not bad, but uh, they're not very good. 
Uh, but nonetheless, the Reds aren't very good either. And they found a way. I feel really good for Senzel. I don't know the kid all that well. I mean, I've been around him, talked to him a number of times. I made the comment yesterday, I feel like they've really jerked him around as a franchise. They've really jerked him around. Multiple position changes. Uh, I remember like it was yesterday when the team went down, uh, what, three years ago now. They went down to Miami, and he was having a terrible year. I mean, terrible. Just completely looked lost. They had tried to change his entire swing uh, from the guy they drafted with a top five pick coming out of the University of Tennessee. So they're trying to change his swing. They're changing his positions. They've got all these things going on. He's going through all kinds of injuries. We know that story with Senzel. But look, I don't know what the rest of his season's going to hold, but it's nice to see a young man have something good happen for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and I, I'll go back to what Trace said during the Pirate series. If you guys were listening that are in the chat, I mean, his, his whole thing was no one was picking each other up. No one was, like, making the play when they needed to. This team was just, like, after one play after the other, just constantly fumbling the bag or just, you know, straight up missing their assignments, not executing well enough. You know, I go back to the, the one play in the Pirate series. I think this was the second or the third game. We got Barrero fumbling the ball, and he makes the throw to first base, but it goes right through Vossler's glove, right? Like, just stuff like that. And for Zinzel to make the play after we got a guy on second base, you know, great job for this Red Legs team. Um, they are just, at least for this series, they made the plays when they needed to, right? That's, that's all we ask for. We ask for them to try to learn how to win, and they're learning how to win. And, you know, that process is, takes a long time to learn, but this is a really good start for them. Yeah, it is. And to finally break the streak of not hitting a home run by doing it in walk-off fashion was a great way to, to do that, too. Absolutely. Tom, what about our boy Casey over here? I mean, he started from ground zero with baseball, and he's picking it up. I mean, he's just... It, three you know, weeks in, and we're rocking and rolling. Three weeks in, and he's on top of it, Tom. I'm so proud of Casey. I'm really proud of Casey. <laughs> you know, we've had to clean things up a little bit here with Casey because... You know, you give him all the credit in the world. I'm with you there, Reed, that, 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 that he, he's, he's really engaging in learning baseball. Um, and so, but there are little things. And, Reed, you know this, being a baseball guy, right. Paul. You know, you, you can always pick up. I remember years ago when Fox got the rights to uh, NASCAR. And Ed Gorin, who's running uh, Fox at the time, is our executive producer. He asked me to come be kind of like, the face of NASCAR on Fox, right? I've never followed NASCAR. I don't know anything about it. And, and, and he's trying to talk me into thinking about it. And I'm just like, you know what? I appreciate, you know, the opportunity, but I can't do it because people who follow NASCAR or people who follow baseball, there are certain words you use. And then there are certain words you don't use. Right. 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 Okay. Um, take, for example, baseball, okay? When a batter, left-handed batter, I was a left-handed, so left-handed batter, okay? You don't slap a single into right field, right? Right. You slap a single into left field. Correct. Right? Right. 
The second you hear somebody use that kind of terminology to describe that particular kind of play, you know right away mm-hmm. they're not dialed in on baseball, right? Correct. You can hook it to the right side, pull it to the right, whatever it might be as a left-handed batter. You don't slap it into right field, okay? And that was my fear with NASCAR, is there would be some word or some phrase or some ter- term, because I haven't grown up watching it. I don't know a lot about it. Yeah, you can sit there and you can read everything on the internet and know everything about everything, and one word, bam, there it is, right? No. So, um, Casey the other day made a comment off the air uh, about a picture, and he used the word he played. Right. Right? And so I just said, okay, now, here we go, right? Kind of like teaching Casey. Yeah, (laughs) teaching Casey. Right? So, it's a pitcher pitches, right, Reed? Right, right. That's what he does. Okay. And uh, a player plays. So, you can't say, boy, you know, uh, Graham Ashcraft really played well yesterday. No. What did he do, Casey? He pitched very well. There you go. There we go. I uh, want to get away from something for a second because, Paul, I, I saw you just put this in the uh, – Yeah, I didn't, uh, didn't want to interrupt. I'd say I'm, I'm really, really sad by this news. Uh, I had a chance to work with this guy for um, nearly four years, Jerry Springer. Um, and he has died, according to a statement from his family, at 79 years old. Of course, he was a former mayor of Cincinnati. Uh, at the time, um, when our demographics were very different and the, and the population of the city was very different, he became the first two-time mayor as a Democrat in the history of Cincinnati. Uh, he went on to try and make a run for Senate. There was a situation involving a check uh, to a prostitute uh, that derailed his entire campaign. Uh, I'm convinced he would have won had that not happened. Um, and I think he would have gone on, and this is a guy who is not a Democrat, uh, that I, I can clearly say in good conscience, he would have gone on to represent our state unbelievably well. Uh, but then he got into a guy named Tony Kiernan, the general manager at Channel 5, hired Jerry Springer to be the Monday through Friday news anchor. Well, the ratings exploded. He did a commentary at the end of every single show Every single newscast at 11 o'clock, the last three minutes, Jerry Springer's commentary. That eventually evolved into um, a, a not, not a political show, more of a topical show that was based right out of Channel 5 in their studios up on the fifth floor downtown, um, where he would bring in different leaders, uh, different topics, could be education, could be whatever it might be. And then that evolved into something extremely different from that kind of show, the Jerry Springer show, which had all this outrageous, outlandish sort of stuff. And he became known nationally for that show. Um, And I've said this to Jerry because for the last number of years of his life, he lived down in Sarasota, Florida. But, um, you know, I, I always felt it was, there was something that always kind of broke my heart about him becoming known as that Jerry Springer compared to the Jerry Springer that, that those of us who had a chance to work with him knew. And that was an extremely bright, extremely well-educated. I think he was Tulane undergrad or North, and Northwestern Law School or maybe the flip-flop. Um, but this guy was just a fantastic guy to be around. Uh, every Thursday night, like clockwork, there was a band that played at Bogart's. Every Thursday night, Bogart's right there on Short Vine and Clifton. Jerry would get off the air at 1130. 
and whoever wanted to go along with him, and I was right there with him many, many, many nights, where he'd go up, soon as he would show up, the band would play a set and let him sing. He wasn't a great singer, but man, he was all in. It's like, you don't have to be a great dancer, but are you a guy that's going to get out there and just do it and let it rip? This guy was so much fun to be around. He, he was so smart. He was so interesting. Um, and I am very, very sad to hear that news. He, he has, uh, his daughter is blind. Uh, he'd be the first to tell you, you know, not a perfect person, maybe not a perfect husband, maybe not, you know, just like the rest of us. He was an incredible dad, and, um, and he is going to be missed. I am very, very saddened to hear this news. So, Paul, thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, rest in peace and thoughts and prayers to his family and so many, many, many friends uh, here in Cincinnati and, and all over the country. So, very sorry uh, to hear that. But he was a great, great guy all right where are we starting mr mcallister are we starting with our top 10 picks yeah let's let's talk about the top 10 picks in this nfl draft okay so the draft is tonight at eight o'clock um and again this is what we think will happen and we're gonna look back on it tomorrow only the first round is tonight second and third rounds are tomorrow right and then everything else is saturday is that the way this thing works yep okay all right so we're going to do our top 10 picks of what we think will happen and then today after we get through all of that we are going to give players that we think will be available for the Bengals picking at 28 and that's assuming they don't make a trade and then which player we would pick at that point okay so here we go this is our quote-unquote mock draft the very first on off the bench at chatterbox sports and casey we're going to start with you because i think it's safe to say and it's taking nothing away from our good friend our good friend paul fritchner or our good friend reed mouse you are the guy that is fingers toes all body, head to toe, in on this film film room guy. Yeah. Right? Yep. All right, here we go. Let's go. Mock draft. Let's get it started. So, basically, let me, let me pull up the first five here. We've got them in graphics here for everyone to see. Here's how I think the first five rounds will go. I did not anticipate any trades, but that three spot there for the Cardinals, just the way that the draft usually goes, that, that is probably at a... 75% chance of a trade for a quarterback there at three. And from all the rumors and things that we've been hearing about the top five, right? I think Bryce Young is just the shoe in there. I think just from what I've heard from the Panthers, there's no reason why they would have traded up so early to go get their guy without Bryce Young. And with the way CJ Stroud tested He's been falling like crazy. Um, I think Bryce Young's the pick there. Texans, they've been trying to hint all season, all offseason long that they might not take a quarterback at two. And I think it's because they really believe that either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson is worth the pick there. And 
You know, I, I think Will Anderson is the more premium position there at edge. So that's why I went with edge there. Um, he's a really, really solid guy. I think he's got a really high ceiling. He's a bit smaller for an edge rusher, but hey, TJ Watts exists. So Jalen Carter, I don't think he's going to fall out of the top five. I really don't. Even with all the character issues, if he doesn't go there for the Cardinals, he's not falling past Seattle. I think Seattle will easily take him. Will Levis, the quick riser. Um, you if know, you believe that. If you believe that. Okay. And I, I do think there, there is some merit to it. And I think people will look at just his athleticism, body type. I really think that the Colts would be making a mistake here, but, you know, the Colts' uh, decision-making here as of late has not been the greatest. So that's why I'm picking Will Levis here. Nolan Smith, a very, uh, very uh, late riser in the draft boards here. Does he have a new nickname, Nola? Nola? Uh, maybe I just <laughs> forgot to put the end. His there. friends call him Nola. <laughs> yeah, his friends call him Nola. Yeah, just shorten it up a little bit. Yeah, this he guy, by the Saints. <laughs> that guy, um, he is something else. If you just watch his film, he didn't play a whole lot. He got hurt in the season, but the snaps that he played, man, he was just dominant, just dominant, straight up. He's a bit smaller, but he's longer. He's definitely more of your outside linebacker type guy. So he's not like your traditional Sam Hubbard or Trey Hendrickson, but he is more in the mold of your Micah Parson or your, your TJ Watt. I keep going back to that smaller but longer type body style. Nolan Smith, very fast, very athletic. I just think, you know, if he played throughout the whole season, he might be the number one edge. So... Here's my other top five, or my uh, six through ten here. Okay. I, I accidentally put one through five. But the Lions would be at six. I think after trading Jeff Okuda, they're going to get the number one corner. Okay. Um, and I don't think, you know, I, I just can't see uh, any of those corners being taken in the top five with all the positional value there and the quarterbacks potentially being taken there. Raiders go get their uh, their left tackle of the future, Paris Johnson Jr. I think a lot of people debate between Peter Skaronsky and Paris Johnson Jr. Paris Johnson Jr. is more of your prototypical body size and athleticism. Peter Skaronsky, he's going to probably be more of a guard, but he's going to be a really good guard if he can bulk up. So that's why I got Paris Johnson Jr. first out of all the linemen selected. Um, Tyree Wilson. Uh, for Atlanta, that's a that is a uh, boom or bust type prospect there. But I uh, mean, if he booms, I mean the dude is six eight, has the longest wingspan out of every edge rusher in this class, and I think probably for the last five draft classes. I mean the dude has got some length, and I mean if he's put in the right spot to succeed, yeah, he's going to be really special. And then uh, the Eagles. I think they just solidify their secondary, which kind of struggled in the Super Bowl. Um, they go get Christian Gonzalez, the second best corner in this draft. Um, yeah, that's my top 10. All right. And based on this top 10, the one glaring name that is not in there, because you have clearly bought into Reddit on Will Levis. 
Yeah. The one glaring name, the guy you've said all along, you think is the best quarterback of the bunch. And correct me if I'm wrong, you have said that. I do. There is no C.J. Stroud from the Ohio State University Buckeyes in that top ten. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I think when when you get down to it, it's kind of the way that he reacted to the said news that makes me have great pause. Because he said something around to the words of, I don't have to be smart to play football. I just play football. And teams are going to say, you scored a 19 on the Wonderlick test, which is really, really bad. I mean... And there, just, there are some that are saying that's not accurate, that that's been misreported. I'm not saying whether that's true or false. I don't know. Right. I don't know either. I just, just based off of that, though, alone, and just how the draft has just, you know, some of these guys have rose really quickly and plummeted really fast. These teams, towards the end of the process, where, you know, I, I think I go back to, like, to the left tackle from uh, Texas right now, Tunsil, where that video came out moments before the draft. This is something very similar to me, where it's not nearly as bad, but I don't think... And to be fair, I just... I couldn't pick a team to trade with the Cardinals. More than likely, he doesn't fall out of the top 10, but I couldn't make that decision, and more than likely, a team's going to trade up. They're going to get... Will Levis, and then the Colts will pick C.J. Stroud. I think that's what will probably happen, but, you know, and, until that, right? you know, I, I couldn't make that, that judgment call on who would do it. So that's my top 10 without any trades. Um, if I had to guess who would trade up to potentially get a quarterback, uh... Man, it would probably be someone like, I don't know. I could see the 49ers making a crazy trade again, getting up in the top 10. Could see maybe. I see Tennessee moving up. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, Tennessee is a good one. Um, Maybe the Packers. But other than that, yeah. Okay. All right. So there you have it. There's Casey's top 10. Mr. Fritchner, are your, oh no, we're going with Mr. Mouse next. I apologize. So uh, Reed Mouse, you're dialed in on this stuff. What's your top 10 look like, big boy? Dialed in is the accurate Dialed in, baby. Dialed in. For what me and Paul have for, for the top 10 draft. But Casey, let's go ahead and do this. Let's rock and roll, baby. All right, Reed, your top 10. Here we go. All right. So number one overall, I've got Bryce Young. I'm not buying the Will Levis hype that everyone, the, the Reddits that said Will Levis is going to go number one. Bryce Young's going number one. But I do have Will Levis going number two to the Texans. Uh, me, and, me and Paul, we've got our thumb on the pulse of, of college we football, do. of prospects, and we are believers in Will Levis. So I have Will Levis actually going number two. I have the Titans trading up to take C.J. Stroud at number three. So I've clearly bought into the hype that the first four picks are going to be all quarterbacks. And then the Colts got old Tony Richardson. And the thing about Tony Richardson is he's uh, he's got the skills but hasn't shown it at the college level. I feel like the Colts quarterback room has been so boring for so long ever since Andrew Luck retired. Yep. They've been constantly trying. They want a little flair in there. 
And that's what Anthony Richardson. He's a project, but he's certainly got the boomer bust capabilities. Will Anderson's going number five to the Seahawks. So go ahead and flip it over. I like Will Anderson a lot. And then Jalen Carter's going number six. There was talks for a little while that he might really drop. You know, there was all the, the word about, you know, his physique and, and whether or not he, he will fall out of the top ten. Jalen Carter's a, a top-tier prospect. He's going to get taken. Wilson at seven. I have back-to-back -back tackles at eight and nine. I have Skronsky getting drafted by the Falcons. I think he's going to get taken before Paris Johnson. And I believe Paris Johnson will be drafted right after. I think they're both gearing up for the future. The Falcons gearing up around Desmond Ritter. And the Bears gearing up around Justin Fields. And then Devin Witherspoon shoring up the secondary out there in Philly, who's building a great team. You know, Witherspoon's kind of interesting. We talked about him a little bit the other day, uh, that here's a guy that, you know, look, I mean, a lot of us around here uh, like to watch Big Ten football. I do. And I got to tell you, I mean, I felt like the, the little bit of Illinois I watch, I just never heard his name much at all. And, and this Gonzalez is getting so much pub. Um, but, man, that guy looks like a player. And if I'm Philly and I got to take him or the other guy, I'm taking Witherspoon, too. Um, all right. There's Reed. Top ten. Solid. Solid. Now we go. To the guy really dialed in. Dialed in, baby. <laughs> Draft expert, Paul Fritschner. All right, fly it up there, Casey. I was looking for your picks earlier this morning on Pro Football Focus. I did not see them. <laughs> <laughs> Too premium for Pro Football Focus. <laughs> Paywall. Bryce Young, number one overall. I'm, uh, I'm fully on board with Bryce Young going first. I do have Will Levis in the top five, but I don't have him as the second quarterback drafted. I think that a lot of what we're hearing here with the uh, with all this stuff with this cognition test, which, by the way, Casey, you can take the, the graphic off for just a second. I spent last night while I was researching this, and I did. I was legitimately, I spent a, a while on this reading about everything, but one rabbit hole that I fell down was trying to get in contact with S2, which is the company that runs the cognition test, to see if the four of us could take that test Ooh. and see what we would score because it used to be the wonderlick and now i had to do a little background it's called s2 it's the s2 cognition test it's a company get in contact with them the four of us take that test and we'll see what happens i don't know we, there, there's some boxes we got to check but i think that'd be a lot of fun that would, i don't know if i'd look forward to that public humiliation it's like doing math in public paul we talked about this well great idea. we're all on the record all right, <laughs> so after I got back from that rabbit hole, Will Anderson was going third <laughs> to Alabama. Levis, our guy, Reed and I's guy, I, I got him sliding all the way you to You guys four. love Levis? Love Levis. Oh, God. If, if you, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. He's sliding all the way to four. Guy couldn't beat out Sean Clifford. Go ahead. Sliding all the way to four. Jalen Carter, I got him in the top five. I got him going to Seattle. And then 6-10, Witherspoon, 6-2, to Detroit. Anthony Richardson, why not? Send him out to, send him out to Las Vegas. Oh, that's all you Ooh. need. <laughs> <laughs> Sending anybody to Vegas. Jackson Smith Ooh. and Jigba, give, uh, give our guy Diz Ritter a, a weapon down there. And then Skaronsky, the hometown kid, stays home. Quite literally the only reason I put him there. It's from right outside Chicago, went to Northwestern. Yep. Stays home and plays for the Bears. Yep. And then Nolan Smith, not Nola Smith. Nolan, <laughs> same guy, Georgia. Well, you're, you're not friends with him. 
I yeah, no. I'm not. So I had to throw Casey the end. is. Had to throw that in in there. And he is going to Philly. So that's my top ten. Okay, so um well you got Witherspoon going way up there. Way up. High on him. <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I will give you credit. You I mean you clearly uh because you stepped out of the box a little bit there. So there was some there was some work. You were knee deep last night. Uh, so the way I looked at it, I looked at one. So, okay, wait, let's back up. I went to Pro Football Focus, and I looked at all the team's needs. So I filtered it through the there team's needs. There you go, okay. Running simulators all night. I, I, spent, I spent the, uh, the heat <laughs> game on this. Looked like an Oracle warehouse. <laughs> so, so then what I did was I went to one mock draft just to make sure I wasn't completely off, off base on all these guys. Okay. So I did a little, little compare and contrast, but I didn't want to just, you know, pick straight through on the top ten. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I really like the Jackson Smith and Jigba to the Falcons with Drake London and Kyle Pitts. There we go. And you get JSN. Yeah. Desmond will have all the targets to throw to, not to mention that they have a really good offensive line. I really like that one a lot. There we go. Um, Let Ritter cook. And then <laughs> – and then for Reed, I really like Anthony Richardson to the, to the Colts, too, because you're right. They, that is boring. Like, they, they've had a boring quarterback room for so long. Let's just spice it up, right? Get a guy that could be boom or bust. I mean, you're going to probably replace him in a year anyways, just like you've been doing for five <laughs> years. So why not, right? Just go ahead and try. Flip a coin. Maybe, maybe you get a, another Hall of Famer, Tom. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. <laughs> No doubt. All right, here we go. Uh, I uh, am putting up my top 10 now, Casey, please. Uh, I think it's going to – I really believe Carolina has been – they have been orchestrating all of this nonsense all along about the quarterback thing. I think at the end of the day, when you're the general manager and you've got to say to yourself, I'm just looking at the film. I'm looking at the film. I'm looking at the film. I'm looking at – size I'm looking at durability I'm taking all of these things into consideration I think CJ Stroud is the number one pick in the draft he's the best quarterback of the group he's the best quarterback Bryce Young therefore slips to Houston at number two I have Tennessee as you pointed out moving up in the draft because Tannehill's going to be there this year I think that would be an ideal spot for any of these guys not to have to come in and start day one. I really do. And I think they take Levis. You talked about Indianapolis, okay? Their new head coach in Steichen has worked with a very similar quarterback to Jalen Hurts, right, in Philadelphia yep. as offensive coordinator. Yep. I think Richardson basically fits that mold although Hertz is a far more accurate passer when we talked about if you guys remember we talked about the shortcomings if you had to pick one of each of these quarterbacks okay yeah all right and we said with Stroud can he handle pressure in the pocket right and how well he handled that for me he answered that question against Georgia Bryce Young size Will Levis Takes a lot of hits, throws a lot of picks. 23 of them the last two years. And you can give me every excuse in the world. And then Richardson. Terrible, terrible completion percentage. Unless you were throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage, which he led the nation in that. Best accuracy. 
Well, you'll be doing that a lot with uh, their running back there. Can't remember okay. his name. Jonathan the Colts, Taylor. But Jonathan Taylor. Okay. I got Carter going number five to Seattle. Perfect Pete Carroll kind of guy right there creating havoc, getting Seattle back to playing defense the way they used to play defense. Agreed. Then we move on six through ten. Anderson ends up with the Lions. My man, the fighting Chris Fieldman. Hmm. That would be devastating. He'll be on the other side with your guy, Hutchinson. He's not my guy. That's your guy. I like Hutchinson. From that school up north. You can have him. <laughs> Tyree Wilson. They like those. They like those pass rushers, and they always seem to miss out in Oakland. Now Vegas. They're going to take a chance at another one. Here's my surprise pick. I think Van Ness goes to Atlanta. They're building up that defense out of Iowa. Skoronsky, we talked about him. Chicago guy. Witherspoon, number 10, to the Eagles. Casey, what do you like or dislike about that top 10? Um, out of the top 10 that you have here, Tom, let me see here. I think I like your top, your top five. I think that's a very realistic possibility that the Titans move up. I think Will Levis makes sense for them. I like Anthony Richardson to the Colts. Um, the 6 through 10, I mean, I love Will Anderson to the Lions. I mean, you talk about a dominant defense with Aiden Hutchinson and Will Anderson together. Game over for everyone in the NFC North. Just forget about it. It's Lions territory there. The Tyree Wilson to the Raiders, I'm not sure if I like that or not. I okay. Think, I think uh, – they would much rather try to fix their offensive line, which was such a huge issue for them. They've got they got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones there at the edge. And I know Chandler Jones didn't do quite well. And last they're getting year. older. They're getting older. I just I think they would want to fix their offensive line, which would then brings me to Luke Van Ness. Luke Van Ness reminds me of Sam Hubbard, which I don't know if I would take him in the top ten. Okay, but I mean that's a solid defensive uh, defensive edge player for the uh, uh, Falcons team that struggled on defense. Yep. And so, they built that thing up in the offseason with free agents. Right. And then, uh, like I said about my other top 10, Peter Skronsky to me, I just, I think there's some hesitation there with his length that I just don't know. Like, he, you could potentially. Now, I, I, I went with, and I don't mean to interrupt, because I'm yeah. with you on this. I mean, we, we were all picking on what we think will happen. Right. If I were the Bears, I'd take Paris Johnson Jr. over Skaronsky all day, every day. Yeah. But I think that whole thing, like you talked about, right? I think it was Bring Paul, but. Okay, Illinois guy, boy. Chicago guy, yeah. Northwestern yeah. guy, yeah. all that stuff. You know, I think there's going to be a little, little pull in there. How much of that noise they listen to, I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, Devin, Devin Witherspoon going to the Eagles is also really, really good. I, I like that pick a lot for them. To me, I think that pick for the Eagles is going to be BPA regardless. I think that what you had there is BPA. Devin Witherspoon is a can't-miss prospect at corner. So Wasn't he the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year? I think he was. I think I, he was. That's rare to see in, in a cornerback. Normally, right. it's those edge rushers, the Boses, and the Hutchinsons in the world, right? Yeah. I think Witherspoon was the uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I'll just double check. I think he was. Yeah, he was. Okay, my son just texted me. Boy, it's good to know that he's getting a good education in high school. 
because he's got time to watch our picks. He's locked in. I don't know what the hell is going on down there. Just he's got that. time to watch our picks and comment. Hey, he tells just, me, he says, zero chance Stroud going number one. And he says, what we should do is, is parlay our first four picks, put $1 on it, and if I'm right with my first four, Luke tells me we, we will live in Cabo for the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Let's do that. <laughs> he says he's sitting in the back of AP Gov right now. Oh, that's the perfect spot to text. Yeah, perfect spot to watch. Politics. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Arguing with his teacher, Uber Lib. Go ahead. <laughs> Who were they? I didn't see it. This was about a month ago. They asked him what quarterbacks he looked up to, and he said Deshaun Watson and Michael Vick. Okay. Your your mic is possibly unplugged, Reed. Oh, no. It's plugged in. There you go. Is it, was, was it not plugged in? No. We got to get a different mic over here. Yeah, the, 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 the player formerly known as Mouse Cop, who I used to think was you and your uh, it's burner account, uh, says keep Reed's mic off. So that's obviously not. <laughs> but – uh. No, did, did you ever see that C.J. Stroud comments when he, they asked him what quarterbacks he looked up to? He said Michael Vick and Deshaun Watson, which is uh, an interesting duo to, to look up to. Well, I think it's probably safe to say that, that for a lot of young uh, African-American quarterbacks, sure, no those were two of the guys. They're not the only two. I mean, Doug Williams, I think, was the first to win a Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, um, back when he came on board with the Redskins. With the, formerly known as the Redskins, now the Washington football wizards. Mm -hmm. Paul's guys from that elitist part of the country. Hey, they're on the upswing. Um, but I'm not surprised by that. I, I, matter of fact, I think if you took a poll for most young African-American quarterbacks, I think by far Michael Vick would be the first name that comes out of there. No doubt. Mouth. He's exciting. He's a lot of fun. Oh, man, was he exciting. He's a lot of fun. Gosh, exciting. Luke asks, did we see CJ's mental score under pressure or whatever that test was? Maybe we get yeah. Luke to take the test with us. Yeah. We'll get I a mean, fifth he, person. He's, currently, he he's clearly not doing anything in AP Gov, so. Well, that, you got that right. Uh, well, he showed up last night. Luke did under pressure. He might do well there. Yeah. I mean, just shut down uh, another opponent in the cage for the mighty Marymount Warriors. Did he beat the number Braves? one goalie. Reigning goalie of the year. Have I ever said that before in this program <laughs> in the state of Ohio? No, but it, okay. He, he's going to chime in, and clearly he's not learning a thing at school. Uh, our taxes are paying for, I don't know what, and our uh, tuition, I don't know what, in Indiana next year. Uh, he's already going. He knows he's going there. He was goalie of <laughs> the year, Tom. He was goalie of the year, Tom. What was your crowning athletic achievement? Uh, just making the team. Making the soccer team? And sitting, on, and sitting on the sideline watching us play in a state championship game. For the Anderson never got off club. the never got off the bench, never got off the bench. Well, that's um, the end of the show. Yes. All right. Um, so, uh, if there's one thing, Casey, that you don't like about Paul and Reed's picks, one name you don't like, since we really look at you as the expert in the room, what don't you like that stands out? Not two or three. Give me one name. Before we get to the Bengals picks, man, um, I don't, I don't know if they really. There wasn't really anything that was like shocking to me, other than the, I, I'm really, 
I think Peter Skaronsky is going to be a really good guard if he bulks up. I just don't know if he can handle the tackle thing because what I see and people are going to be like, oh my gosh, but it's literally the exact same circumstances. He's Jonah Williams, 2.0. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little Ooh, wow, now there's a strong take, Mr. Yeah, McCollister. He, he's a little better than Jonah Williams, but he's Ooh. not. You think he's better than Jonah Williams coming out of college? A little bit. As a tackle. As a better than Jonah Williams, starter at Alabama. Yeah, yeah. And they're getting picked in the same round. Skaronsky just has really short arms. And that just, you see what happens when they go up against guys that are super strong. They just get beat. And it depends on where he goes, right? If he goes to Atlanta, where you don't have crazy edge rushers in that division, then maybe it makes sense. But if he goes to, like, you know, a team that... Chicago. Yeah, like Chicago. I I mean, they might not have crazy pass rushers, but in the case where we had just talked about, like a Jalen Carter or or uh, Will Anderson, we, we I think a couple of us picked Jalen Carter and Will Anderson to go to the Lions. Yep. It makes you have hesitation and pause because there is that flaw in his game. Now – I think all that would be solved. You just push him into guard, and then I think he could be a really good guard. He just got yeah, but, but that means bit. you're taking a that means you're taking a tackle, right? right. I mean, you're taking a guard in the top yeah. in the top five. I mean, top ten picks. I mean, I don't know when the last time I'd happened. I'm sure it's happened. All right, um, you guys continue this for a second. I'll be right back. Ham and Eggers continue to discuss this. We're doing the Bengals pick right after. Mr. President, take it away. Drafting. It's that time of the show, the ham and eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Bengals Report brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's right, Casey. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Also, the new premium alkaline water that we tell you about every day. It tastes so good. Pawnee. It's made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, and Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Drink Pawnee water, get your coffee from UDF, bet with Betfred, and get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. Make sure you like, subscribe to the show. You can listen to the show back. If you've missed anything, you can listen back either right here on YouTube after the show is over or right now if you just want to back it up. Or you can go to our podcast platform. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, Chatterbox Sports. All those podcasts are on podcast platforms wherever you want to listen to them. Subscribe. Leave a rating and a review, too. Don't have many ratings and reviews for Off the Bench. So if you're listening to this in a podcast form, listen and uh, leave a rating and a review. Casey, throw that Viking helmet on. There it is. There you go, guys. Maybe it's some good juju for the Bengals tonight. Maybe it just carries over Cincinnati he sports. He said he wasn't going to wear it. What are you doing? 
You don't want to carry it? You, don't, you can't ruin the juju. I am ruining it. Sorry. You're not ruining it. That was it. peer it's, pressure. It's coming off. You're not well, ruining it. Off. You're yeah. not ruining it. It's coming off. The Reds hit right. a walk-off home run yesterday, Casey. Yeah, I know, but you can't You can't keep asking the helmet to provide you with It's okay. With, They're not playing today. Wins. You just don't wear it tomorrow. Don't get too greedy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's that works for me. Guys, I am deep in the weeds trying to find a picture of the 1978 Anderson High School soccer team who went to the state finals. I'm so close. I need to get a picture of Tom. and his. And <laughs> was he actually on that soccer team? He was on the – they were runners-up. I, I, I thought you the, were kidding about soccer. He played soccer? Yeah, yeah, he played soccer. 1978, Anderson were the runners-up. And uh, okay, Tom, I got the box scores right here. I'll, I'll wait for you to get to your microphone of – the 1978 Ohio High School Athletic Association Boys Soccer State Championships and semifinals. Yep. You did not get the start in either game. I, I, I did. I, it was there something lost in translation about not getting off the bench? I, I, was, I was a <laughs> freshman. I was. I mean, I, I was not going to sniff the field. I was, was trying lucky to, get, to be on the JV team. I was trying to get a picture of you from that team, just so we could we could put on the program. But I could not find it. I'll tell you what. Uh, Greg McDowell had a had a heck of a of a goal against Worthington in the semifinals. You remember Greg McDowell? Oh yeah, great player. Okay, great player. Uh, was that his first name? Craig McDowell. Craig, my Craig, bad. Right, right. Yep. He was a senior. They they were all older guys. They were great players there. I'm going to see all those guys. By the way, um, Saturday night, the first of our all my buddies, 60th birthday Saturday night. Really? You're going to be a rager Saturday night at his house. Oh There'll boy. be like 70, 80 people at that bad boy. That is going to be a big league, big league party. Okay. Now we go to, um, and yes, by the way, someone in the chat wanted to know, is that when they were the Anderson Redskins? Yes, they were. But now there's some Barney character called the Raptors. The Raptors. Barney character. We were there the other night playing against him in lacrosse, and the athletic director over there, who is a phenomenal high school athlete, a guy named Chris Newton, mm-hmm. he told me when the, when the school board changed the name and wil- wilted, you know, changing the name, um, that they have to go out and buy all new uniforms, right? Yeah. In everything, signage everywhere. And he told me, he says, you're not going to believe his story. I said, what's that? He says, we don't have enough money to paint Raptors in the end zone of the stadium. And so that was three years ago. We played there in lacrosse on Monday night. Still in the end zone, it's Redskins. I see teams... Uh. Schools that do this now, they they preemptively do this because Anderson caught themselves. They did it so quickly, changed the name so quickly. The idea now is you, you, you gradually take the name off the front of the jersey. Now just have on a bunch of jerseys to say Anderson as opposed to the team yep. mascot. Yep. And then after you've done that over a course of a decade, then you're like, all right, we're changing the name now. Anderson did not do that, and now they're no. in dire straits financially. No, 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 no. All right, here we go. Are we ready now for the Bengalis? Yeah, let's get into it. All right, now this again, um, there was a story today, uh, I think it was Pro Football Focus, did their final mock draft. They had the Bengals trading up to go get B. John Robinson, the running back out of the University of Texas. 
I have said to you guys all along, I don't know what it is, but ever for the last five months since all this draft talk began, every time I look at his name just in, on a website or whatever it might be, there is something that is telling me that B. John Robinson is going to be a Bengal. I don't know why that is. I'm sure it's not right. I'd bet money that it's not right. But there's just something that keeps creeping into my mind. But Casey, here we go. This is what you would do if you were Duke Tobin, Mike Brown, Katie Blackburn, Troy Blackburn, Zach Taylor, and the Bengals Brass. Here we go. Yeah, so just to explain what we're doing here, we picked three players that we think will be there at 28. And then if we were, of course, the GM, who we would pick out of the three. Okay. So here's my top three there. And no surprise, Dewan Jones is there. Will McDonald, the edge rusher. I think uh, it was really a tie between him and Emmanuel Forbes, but I think Will McDonald just provides you with a little bit more safety and a plan for when you have to deal with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. Gives you some rotational, um, you know, depth there as well. And then Kalijah Kansi. There's just, he has fallen <clears throat> quite a bit on a lot of people's mock drafts. I don't think the tape necessarily suggests that he should fall. It's more just all the outside noise that's happened with him where he did not have a top 30 visit. Hmm. None of the teams wanted to visit with him, which is just very odd for a guy that potentially could be in the top, you know, 32 picks. So Kalijah Kansi potentially being there, I think adds what you were missing last year, which is interior pressure in a guy that can really just dominate at least – on third down, third and long, passing situations, which the Bengals found themselves a lot in during the championship game. And I think he would have made the difference in that game. If you're asking me who I'm going to take in this situation, I have it in order of who I would take because I'm going to I'm going to try to not upset the fans. I would take Elijah Kansi first, then Will McDonald. I really think they need to get something with the pass rush done. I think you can wait a little longer on a corner, probably get a corner in free agency next year, and you'll be fine. And then Dewan Jones, man. I, I will be on that train. I will be very upset if Dewan Jones goes to the Chiefs or the Steelers at 31 and 32 or whatever it is. I'll be very upset. But if that doesn't happen, then we still have a chance to get him in the second round. And I won't be upset if he doesn't get taken. Um, but, you know, that those are my guys. I really think that the Bengals will be in a position where they can't go wrong. I really do feel like that. I think there's going to be a guy there that most fans will be happy with. Um, something that I just don't think they've done often is pick edge rusher or someone like a pass rusher. So that leads me to believe that maybe they'll go with Emmanuel Forbes. I just didn't put him on there because I know that a lot of us would have Emmanuel Forbes on there, and I want to provide a little bit of a different flavor. And plus, like you said, what you said to me has kind of really stuck to me, Tom. They need to get some more pressure. They just need to. And it's just 
I know it's not really necessarily their play style on defense for the Bengals to create a lot of pressure, but having a guy like Clyde Jacansey doesn't mean that you change anything really schematically, but he's just dominant by himself, right? You don't need to scheme things for him to get pressure. Right. You don't have to send another guy. Clyde Jacansey just provides that for you. So I think that makes the most sense. Okay. All right. Reed. All right. Yeah. So for the three guys that I think the Bengals might take, um, you'll see that there's a common theme, all defensive guys, you know, a lot of talk about the Bengals and, some adding some some offensive presence either with a tight end or or running back but really i think what the Bengals are going to do is is sure up the defense even more because that's what is shine brightest in the biggest spot so first you got emmanuel forbes uh the cornerback out of mississippi state i think he's been attached to the Bengals a lot um he's right around the spot where you know the late first round listen secondary depth in the secondary is key injuries are gonna happen so we lost a couple guys in the secondary. I know most of them were safeties, but Forbes is a little small, but he'll be great. I just think he'll be a great addition to that secondary, just adding depth. Miles Murphy is an interesting pick because I think he's going to get drafted before the Bengals. But really? If fall, okay. If he falls all the way down, I think that he's he's a no-brainer there at edge. And for the same reasons that uh, that Casey said, and that is – the, the pressure that the Bengals get on the edge isn't enough. It truly isn't. To be the elite, elite teams, you're constantly getting to the quarterback, and that is one area that I think the Bengals haven't been able to, to really apply. So um, Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, they do a great job, but maybe it's time to look forward. And we, we've seen the Bengals in the past draft a year in advance. We saw that last year when they get in a safety, knowing yep. that they're probably going to lose their safeties the year following. So I think defensive line is looking ahead, and that's why I also went – I'm not even going to try to pronounce this name, but the defensive tackle from Northwestern. He's gotten a lot of hype for his – what he's been able to do um, as well for, you know, his freakish athletic ability. Adebore, yep. by the way. Adebore. All right. I know on certain draft boards he's a little farther down. Right, Casey? He's He's – some people have him taken in the, the mid-second round. Yep. But I think he might be who the Bengals go after right then and there. And it's just for the exact reasons I said for Miles Murphy. I think they're looking a year ahead. I think they're trying to get some some defensive line presence uh, to help Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, and already the, the great defensive line that they have. Just, just knowing that it's probably not going to be here in a year or two. So you're looking ahead. So those are the three guys I took. All right, Paul. All right, so the way I handled this was I figured the the top three positions that the Bengals needed, and I picked one of each. Uh, So I went with Mike Mayer. If he's available there, I don't know if he'll still be available at tight end. I mean, if you've listened to this, you know how much I I think of Mike. I'm very biased towards him, but that's fine. I'll get that out in the open. Uh, Cam Smith, cornerback. I mean, kind of to Reed's – to what Reed has uh, been talking about defensively. I think the the pick here could be on the defensive side of the ball. And I would love, especially if Mayer isn't there, to go with somebody that can get to the quarterback. I want pressure. I want pressure. So these are my these are my three guys. Mozzie Smith, Cam Smith, two Smiths and a Mayer. Right, who are you picking of that three? I well, I'm I can't back down from my take of Mike Mayer, but He's a freak. I, I, similar to my, yeah, similar to my other takes where I can't, uh, 
I, I can't back down from that. I'm gonna. I would take Mayer, but if not, I want somebody that can get to the quarterback. So I put Mozzie Smith up there. Did you pick a guy actually? Oh no, I didn't actually pick a guy. Yeah, I need you to pick one there. Oh, if, of those three guys you put up there, and you talked about if Miles you know, Murphy was around, I'd take Miles Murphy. Okay, that's who I would take. Okay, all right. Uh, Casey, any thoughts on those guys and their picks? Yeah, um, I think I think the Adebayo is actually a really underrated pick, and kind of the same reasons as why I picked Kalijah Kansi. I think they they both are very. One is more athletically sound and has more better has better physical traits. Right. Out of boy. Um the film isn't as good as Kalijah, but the testing was just off the charts. That's the dude that ran a four four at two eighty or whatever, right. you know, four five. I mean, it's just insane. I think that there's a reasonable option there, and I, I like that as a dark horse pick. Um, I like Emmanuel Forbes a lot. I think for Paul, I, I, I grade like, me, Casey. I like Michael Mayer. Um, <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I I think he's a safe pick. I, I'm just not a fan of safe picks. Okay. I like Mozzie Smith as a nose tackle guy. He would definitely be the replacement for Reader, and it's it's coming, people. It's coming. It's it's gonna happen. We're gonna be paying all these guys. Mozzie Smith makes a lot of sense for a guy that you're looking in the future. He's also a guy that if Reader ever went down, you're not having to completely change your, your scheme like we've had to in the past where we didn't have that big guy up front. Like B.J. Hills, oh, he's not a nose tackle. He's a three-tech. So Mozzie Smith makes a lot of sense there. I like Cam Smith as well. Um, he's getting some second top of the second round vibes, which might make a lot of sense because maybe a lot of the corners go off on the, on the board and they want to pick a corner. I like it. I like a lot of these guys' um, picks for the, the Bengals. Like I said, I think there's a lot of guys on here that um, make a lot of sense that I don't think the Bengals could go wrong. And I think all these guys literally have a chance to be at 28. Okay. All right. Uh, here are my three. Um, you have Forbes, the DB out of uh, Mississippi State. Will McDonald, Iowa State. I know a lot of a lot has been made of the style of defense that he played in uh, at Iowa State. And then you have Dewan Jones, uh, the offensive tackle from Ohio State, right tackle. Um, I, I, I think the Bengals feel like, and these are their, well, these are three of four, in my opinion. I'm putting tight end fifth. The top four needs for the Bengals in no particular order, and that's up for Duke Tobin to decide. Reed, I believe, accurately points out you have to start looking for now the next wave, okay? So, as far as your roster and the makeup of your roster. So, you have a pass rusher. You have an offensive lineman. You have a running back. This is in no particular order. And then you have um, a corner, right? The game has evolved where you cannot have enough good secondary players because teams are spreading it out. The run game is not as prominent as it used to be. Teams want to sling it around. I'm going to take in that group. I'm going to take Emmanuel Forbes. The only thing, the, 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 the thing you love about him, there are guys that are just playmakers, that are ball hawks. Yeah. I think he had 14 interceptions. 
it's been a long time since a Bengal had a lot of interceptions. It was a corner. I think Reggie Nelson led the league one year as a safety yeah. in interceptions. Um, so it's been a while since they've had a corner that is a ball hawk playmaker. I think he returned six of those picks for touchdowns. Yes. The only thing that worries me a little bit, and so, you know, when I'm sitting there looking at their corners moving forward, Cam Taylor-Britt, first-year starter. Awuzie coming back from ACL, uh, contract up in a year. Hilton, you know, your slot guy, you brought Sidney Jones in to kind of be the Eli Apple of a 6DB back there, right? So I, I think they got to get younger there. They got to get more athletic there. The only thing that worries me at all, and, and it's been said by everybody, is the guy weighs 166 pounds. Yeah, I mean, I, to be. And the Bengals are a great, not good, great tackling team. I mean, he he comes up and and plays really well in the run in the run game too. I mean, if he was 185, he would be right there with Gonzalez and Witherspoon. He he has that good of film, um, and I really don't think the weight is necessarily an issue. Mainly because he played at like 175 in college, right? He he slimmed down to have some better times in the draft. Um, the combine process and pro day process. And I think once he gets to the NFL, he's going to be on the big boy plan. You know what I mean? They're not yep. going to, they're not going to let him play at 165. You're not going to get a guy like that. Now, how much weight he can put on? I don't know. I, I at least expect him to be at 180. I think he can get there. And if he's there, you're, you're okay. You're, you're okay. You're okay. I would agree with that. Um, 100%. Well, it's going to be fun. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're going to go through our second and third round picks tomorrow. Somewhere in this mix, fellas, they got to get a running back. Eh. Would you trade up if you knew you could make the deal? Would you trade up and go get B. John Robinson? No. No. No, I would not trade. Would you trade Jonah Williams to move up to get the tackle? That was the proposed trade, I think, on ESPN.com about a week and a half ago that we all kind of liked. I do. I, I would do that. I would uh, trade 28 for 19 and Jonah Williams for their also their third round pick as well. Right. It was swapping thirds and first for Jonah Williams as well. I believe something yep. like that. Something, something to the realm of that. I would do that. I think that's a lot of value there because then you literally have any option that you were thinking of at 28 available to you. But okay. No, I'm, I'm not trading up to get B. John Robinson, regardless of where it's at. If he falls to you, then you have that conversation. But, man, I, me and Rhea have been on this same Golly. train for a long time. You cannot afford to take a running back in the first round. It's just not enough value there. There's just not. Tell you what, though. You know, somebody pointed out in the chat, and th this was not accurate, uh, something about B. John Robinson piled up big yards against crummy teams, didn't do much against good teams. Um, against Alabama, the second game of the year, you might remember that. Why am I drawing a blank on the kid? He used to be at Ohio State, the quarterback for Texas. Uh, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, he started off and just shredded Alabama's defense in the first quarter. Then he got hurt. Okay. Alabama knew that. They were putting in a guy I'd never played before at quarterback for Texas. So they just zeroed in on Stuffin' Robinson, and they did. He only had 57 yards. But you look at some yeah. of the other teams they play, 
Oklahoma, 130. Iowa State, 135. Oklahoma State, 140. Kansas State, who won the Big 12, 209 yards rushing. Kansas, 243. Kansas had a good team. Baylor, 179 yards rushing. So Robinson did not back down against the quote-unquote big boys. Do we have Ryan Noda in yet? No, we do not. And you're right. thinking of Quinn and Ewers. Thank you very much. Which, by the way, did you see that story? Not to get off topic, but, you know, we were talking about this, if you may remember, when Arch Manning, right, committed to go to Texas as a quarterback. And Ewers started off hot, tried to come back, struggled down the stretch. But, but we wondered, you know, was Manning going to step in there and be the starter day one? As it stands right now, Ewers is a starter. Steve Sarkeesian's already said that. The thing I found amazing, did you see his comment yesterday about Arch Manning? He has not accepted a penny of NIL money. Really? Everybody said when he went there, because Ewers is already making seven figures there. He was at Ohio State and barely played two downs, right? And then out. Goes to Texas, signing deals left and right. Manning, who comes from some money. Now, this isn't Peyton's son or Eli's son. This right. is Cooper's son. Um, according to Sarkeesian yesterday, he said he's not taken a nickel of NIL money, which I just found mind-boggling in a day and age where that's all we hear about, right? Yeah. I mean, he was crazy. the most heavily recruited player in college football last year by far uh and it looks like his freshman year maybe it's the best thing for him uh that he's not going to start that isn't finalized um any minute now um we're going to be joined by ryan noda and um you know for those of you that don't know this guy's story uh he plays for the oakland athletics he's on a major league roster for the first time this season and the only reason we're having anybody from oakland is because the reds are playing them tomorrow night starting in a series uh, out in California. Um, he grew up in Fox Lake, Illinois, was not drafted out of high school. So he comes to the University of Cincinnati, where Ryan Noda played three years there. You get drafted in the 15th round of the major league draft, you, you're a pretty good player. Um, I know it's not first or second or third round, duh. But 15th round, Toronto takes him in 2017. Three years later, the Blue Jays want to go get Ross Stripling to be in their on their pitching staff. So Noda is the main guy in that deal. Okay. For the Dodgers over in their minor leagues over two years, he hits 54 home runs and knocks in 180 runs over two years in the Dodgers minor league system. Well, frequently with teams in these big markets like the Dodgers, like the Yankees. Okay. You're not giving a lot of young players a chance to come up. There's just no room. You're spending all this money on all these other guys. And so the Oakland A's, who are always looking for players, in the Rule 5 draft this winter, they took Ryan Noda with the second pick in that draft. So he is at the big league level for the first time this year. And he's going to be kind enough to join us when he jumps on. Let me know. I just sent them a um, – a, um, I'll let you know. I know. Okay. Um, and it was your guys' idea that, that we needed to start doing a little more preview rather than review. Right. Yeah, people 
the the data shows people care a lot more in sports about previews rather than as you say reviews of what has already happened people want to know what is going to happen it's human nature so we're going to have ryan in here he'll be in here in just a second we are all about human nature aren't we human nature stores we are we are we're all about it and so the reds will travel today a lot of people ask some teams have changed their travel routine it's really weird. I think the Giants were the first team to do it. We're on an off day like today. Uh, instead of traveling during the off day to get to where you're going, they would have left after the game yesterday to go where you're going and spend an off day uh, in some road city. Uh, I think the Giants were the first team to do that. Uh, the Reds are not doing that unless something's changed down there, which I'm unfamiliar with that. The Oakland A's coming into this series have the worst record in Major League Baseball. They're 5-20. and 20. So far this year. Uh, and the big story, of course, has been um, here lately, their potential proposed relocation to uh, Las Vegas. But we're not going to ask, you know, we'll, we'll ask Ryan a little bit about that, what it's like to be around there and the whole nine yards. I mean, we've seen crowds yesterday. The, the Reds had their largest crowd of that series against the Rangers, and it was 10,000 people. The A's play in front of that every game. I don't know if you guys have seen the, some of the pictures out there of what's going on. Um, you were it's, like, that, it's like going back in time when you go there to do a game. You were in that stadium when the earthquake happened, right? Uh, actually, in San, at, at, at Candlestick. Oh, it was at San yeah. Fran. Okay. I thought it was over in, in Oakland. I knew it was those two teams playing. Went to the first two games of that World Series. Um in uh, Oakland, and then when they came back for game three in San Francisco, uh, once again, I was just along for the ride as strictly a caddy for Johnny Bench. My only job, all expenses paid vacation to the World Series. All I had to do was get his wife to the ballpark. That was my job. Driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss Daisy. And she was a lot closer to my age than she was to Johnny's age. <laughs> A lot closer. Um, so we just get her to the ballpark hours before the game and then just hang out and do a little tailgating. And uh, the earthquake hit that night, and it was uh, chaos from there. Uh, but thank God we got out of there safe and sound. Still waiting on him? Yeah, still waiting. Is, is Candlestick uh, close to where the, the new stadium is? Are they? Well, it's, I mean, it's not a far ride. You have the San Francisco, you have downtown San Francisco. Uh, you go south um, to the airport, which, you know, and without traffic, uh, you know, it'd take you maybe 20 minutes. Uh, and the where Candlestick used to be uh, was right next to basically the airport, uh, set right out on this point, um, right on the San Francisco Bay. Th there was nowhere like that place. Um, you know, every night, the game, you'd go there, you get there before batting practice. And it would be beautiful, sunny, no wind, no nothing, perfect. And then all of a sudden at about 6 o'clock, they called it the, uh, the claw over on the third base side above the upper deck. Every night you would see this claw come over the top of the stadium. 
clouds and wind. And within the next hour, that wind is blowing in the dead of summer. To quote the late, great Mark Twain, the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. You'd be there in the middle of the summer, and it would be 40 degrees. Really? It was unbelievable. That's the old story about how um, Horace Stoneham, the owner of the Giants, when the Giants left New York and went to start looking at cities in California, Walter O'Malley is the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, Mm -hmm. right? So both teams, late 50s, are going to move out west. Well, the story goes that Walter O'Malley said, hey, I'll let you pick first which city you want to go to. But he made sure, after doing a lot of research, he made sure that when they took Horace Stoneham to look at a potential site for where the ballpark would be in San Francisco, that he took him there at roughly 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Sun's out. Where it's just perfect. Calm water, sunshine, no wind. He picks that spot. The Dodgers go to Dodger Stadium in L.A. And the rest, they say, is history. Is he ready to go? Yep, he's ready to go. All right. It's a pleasure to be joined. Ryan Noda, former University of Cincinnati Bearcat. Look at Adam. He's looking sharp. How you doing, Ryan? <laughs> Thanks for the time today. I know you got a bunch to catch. How's everything going? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, you know, out here in uh, nice, sunny uh, California. Uh, it's not too bad outside. Um, so, so you guys got a day game today, right? Yeah. Yeah, we do. So how is life? In the big leagues. You've been there since the start of this season. Uh, we were documenting your travel since leaving uh, UC, going you know, from Toronto's organization to the Dodgers, and now uh, with the athletics and get a chance to be in the big leagues. What's it been like for the first month as a major leaguer? <laughs> it, it, it's been pretty sweet. Um, you know, definitely learned a lot in the first couple of weeks from, uh, you know, a lot of my veteran teammates and even some of the young guys uh, like myself on the team. So uh, it's been a great experience. And, uh, you know, we haven't got a lot of results that we want. Um, but uh, hopefully that turns around here shortly. Tell me something and tell us something that you've learned as a player a month in the big leagues. And then something you've learned just as a person, whether it's a travel in the big leagues, a hotel in the big leagues, private planes in the big leagues, all that kind of thing. What would be one of each? I think from a, a playing like game standpoint that, uh, you know, it's at the end of the day, no matter who you're facing, no matter who you what team you're playing, it's, it's just baseball at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, I think that's the, the coolest part. And then I would say travel, um, the, the hotels. Hotels are pretty nice. <laughs> um, we stay in some uh, a lot better hotels than I have been in the past couple <laughs> I, of years. I would think That's you're for right. sure. I um, have no doubt about so, yeah. that. Those are big league joints. Um, 
Who's the one guy, I mean, you just said, you know, baseball's baseball, and you'll hear guys say that from time to time. But has there been an at-bat where you walked up, maybe it was your very first at-bat, and, and it didn't matter who was on the mound. But has there been a guy where you walked up there and you're like, man, I've been watching this cat on TV for however long, and I can't believe I'm stepping in the box against who? Uh, it was definitely this past series in the DeGrom. Um, been watching him a lot the past, I'd say, like five, six years. Um, just studying him and stuff like that. So it's, it was definitely, he was definitely the one guy who stepped in the box and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm ready for this. And, uh, he, he's, he's pretty good, man. He's pretty good. <laughs> How'd you do against him? Uh, you know, we'll get him next time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. those type of days. Um, <laughs> He uh he was he was on he was on his stuff was working locating well uh you know tunneling pretty well and he he got us pretty good so well he's done that to a lot of people um did did, did you you know I, I mentioned earlier when you were coming out of high school in Illinois were you a Cub fan White Sox fan Cardinal fan because there's a lot of kind of split allegiances <laughs> who did you grow up rooting for Yeah, I actually grew up rooting for the White Sox. Yep. No um, kidding. Yep. So uh, it was me. Uh, it's actually my dad, my brother, and myself um, who are White Sox fans in our family. Uh, most everybody else is is Cub fans. Um, but growing up, I was I was a South Side guy. <laughs> um, when 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 you don't get drafted out of high school, how'd you end up at UC? Uh, Ty Neal. Uh, uh, Former coach, uh, he was at Indiana. Recruited me when he was uh, assistant at Indiana, and then once he got the head job at Cincinnati, um, went on a visit. Loved the campus, loved the city, and haven't left. <laughs> Did you used to go down to some Reds games when when, when you were here? Uh, I went to a, a couple, uh, a hand, not not too many, but a couple when I had the the time. All right, so you're drafted by Toronto. Uh, you get in that organization, and, and, I mean, you're moving up pretty quick. Uh, then you find out you're getting traded to the Dodgers. Um, what, what was the feeling like when you get traded? Because for players, they react in different ways. You know, sometimes you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get a good chance here, or maybe I wasn't there. But I had made the comment earlier that with teams like the Dodgers or the Yankees and some of these big, big, big supermarket teams spending a lot of money on free agents, young players kind of get stifled in those systems a little bit. Yeah, it was definitely – I was in awe at first. Um, it was a shock. Um, but I – you know, I'm so grateful for getting traded over to the Dodgers. Um, I learned a lot um, from a lot of the guys over there. Um, and I became a better overall baseball player uh, uh, going over there. So, you know, I, I have to show some gratitude to that. And, yeah, you do get stuck, but you also learn a lot. And you get to watch some of the best players in the game go about their business and spring training and so on so it was definitely eye-opening and uh got me to where i'm at today 
You know, you put up some monster numbers. I gave up some of the numbers. And, and you're not only just some power guy. I mean, you did hit almost 60 home runs. You drove in 175, 180 runs over two years in their system. Then you get selected in something called the Rule 5 draft. Did, did you have any inkling that that might happen? At first, no. Um, you know, there's always a hope. Because, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, you just want to play in the big leagues. And I know with Los Angeles, um, I wasn't really going to get that opportunity unless, you know, some bad circumstances happen to others. And, uh, you know, we never wish that upon anybody. But uh, so once it got close, you know, I talked with my agent here and there, and he was hearing some buzz with my name. So I kind of got a little excited. And then when the day came, you know, fortunately enough, uh, the A selected me and, you know, got the ball going. <laughs> well, we're so excited for you to be in the big leagues. Reds are coming out there uh, this weekend. Uh, the, the Reds looked down and out four days ago. Then they sweep the Texas Rangers the last three games. You guys are wrapping up there in Anaheim. What do you expect in this series? What, or what should Reds fans expect to see from the Oakland Athletics in this series? Uh, team that will never quit. So uh, I definitely, you know, Watch the game until the end. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. But uh, definitely some good at-bats, you know, some competitive pitching. And uh, I think we're we're heading in the right direction over here. And, you know, for us, hopefully this weekend um, will be a, a turning point for our team and, you know, to get us going and hopefully to start a train here for um, some consecutive wins in a row. Last thing I want to ask you about, and I'm sure you've been asked about this the last day or two, um, you know, all the, the, the talk about the A's not staying in Oakland and all that kind of thing. How much does that trickle down into the clubhouse? We don't really think about it. You know, we just – we're here to play some baseball, you know. Um, we still want the fans to come out all the time, no matter where we're at. Um, you know, so our hands are tied in that situation. Um, and – you know, we're just going to go out and perform for whoever's on the front of our chest at the time. And so right now we're performing for Oakland. And uh, if that happens to change, then it changes. But for right now, uh, we're in Oakland and we're playing for those fans. All right. Last thing, I lied to you. Is Otani pitching today? Yeah, we got Otani tonight. Are you in there? Oh, yeah. You ready for that? Oh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited for this one, too. So. I uh, got to face him once in spring. Um, had a good at bat, so I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for a few today. <laughs> well, we're rooting for you, Ryan. We really appreciate your time. I know you got a bus to catch, and uh, and we're really rooting for you, big time, man. Congratulations on being in the big leagues, and we'll be watching you over the weekend. Appreciate it, Tom. All right, man. Be well, Ryan. Ryan Coda, kind enough to join us, and Ryan Noda, and and I mean, how how cool is that, right? That was really cool. Tom. Yeah, how cool that was, was that? really cool. Knowing that that guy is going to be facing Shohei Otani and he was playing for UC. Yeah. Just a handful of years ago. All right, we bring in Tracy Jones because what better segue could there possibly be? Right? Then, I don't know if you just heard that any of that interview right there, Tracy, with uh, Ryan Nota, played at UC. Um, and today he's going to get a chance to dig in there against Shohei Otani. <clears throat> 
Who was the one guy? I asked him a question. I said, who was the one guy so far this year that you have faced where you're walking up into the batter's box and you're going, oh, my God, I've been watching this guy on television for however many years, and now I'm facing him. Who He said Jacob DeGrom. Who was your guy when you walked up to the plate? It may not have been the first game. It might have been the 10th or 12th game. Who was that guy? 1987, it was Mike Scott. Remember when he was Cy Young Award winner and he would doctor that ball up, Tom? And that ball was moving in every direction (laughs) except for freight. I had no chance in hell. I had the golden sombrero. And I actually have that game on tape. And your dad and Johnny Bench are just killing me on it. As far as, you know, Johnny's talking about the golden sombrero. You know, that's four times you strike out the game. And your dad just piles on like he always did anything to knock Tracy Jones. And he thought that was funny. A golden sombrero. Can you believe it? And they forget to mention he had 17 strikeouts in that game. He was, he, Tom, he was unhittable. I swear to God, I went up there panicking with the counts. Oh, no. I mean, I was like, no way am I going to get to it. And he wouldn't doctor the ball all the time, but on good hitters, he did. You know, a guy like an Eric Davis, myself, Parker, uh, Cal Dent, Tracy Jones, Barry Larkin, just to mention a few. And he, boy, if he wanted that punch out, he'd, he'd, he'd doctor that ball up and you had no chance. There was another pitcher that he taught how to doctor the ball a little bit. I'm not going to name names. But he became unhittable. He was already unhittable. He became yeah. more unhittable. Well, you, you know, I remember sure Bob Brindley. I remember Bob, Bob Brindley used to tell me, uh, and of course he was an all-star catcher for the Giants, and they had a big rivalry back in the days when they were in the same division, when Houston played in the National League West, when they were a National League team. Uh, and Mike Scott no-hit them to clinch the National League's Western Division Championship, Right. And he said that Roger Craig, the manager of the Giants, at least four times during the game in between innings, would walk out to the home plate umpire and would hand him like a half a dozen balls. And he says, are you watching the same game I'm watching here about what what the deal is with these baseballs and this guy on the mound? They were marked up in the same spot. I caught one of those foul balls in the dugout. Right? Parker was up. And he had like an emergency swing and the dugout was the third base side and he just flicked his bat and there was a one hopper. I caught it in the dugout and it had that mark right in the same spot. I wish I could. It was right here. If you can see it, it was right here. It was the same like zigzag. It was two, two zigzags in that spot. It was crazy. Did you, have, did you ever talk to guys who would tell you how they doctored the ball? Not necessarily Mike Scott, but anybody. There were other yeah. guys doctoring the ball. What would they tell you? They did They did it with a tack in the glove. That's how they did it. And that was the mark. And I'm just throwing this out. I, you know, I think I know Mike. Mike was a great pitcher. Whatever. I'm all about getting to the edge. But, yes, I think they took a tack and put it in the glove, and they just made that mark. And, and that's what Roger Craig is talking about. It's the same mark 
in the same spot of the baseball. And to get it to move like that, I mean, think about a guy throwing 94 and the ball's moving all over the place. What was the year that the uh, Mets won the World Series? Was that 86 or 87? 86. 86. Well, remember that game? If the Mets would have gone to the seventh game, they would have faced Mike Scott. They had no chance in hell to beat the Mets. Of course, the Mets beat him in game six and went on to win the World Series. But Mike Scott was so tough, such oh, a tough pitcher. There is no doubt. Uh, that, that was a series, if I'm not mistaken, you know, a lot of Reds fans obviously remember uh, what Billy Hatcher did in that World Series in 1990. Uh, but Billy yeah. Hatcher, you know, the, the foreshadowing to that 1990 series is what he did in 1986 <clears throat> in that series for Houston against the Mets. And Tracy, you know, um, yeah, the, the Astros had Nolan Ryan and Mike Scott and that kind of, but, but, but that rotation for the Mets was unbelievable. It was, boy, you have a good memory because it was unbelievable. You had Dwight Gooden. Yep. Ron Darling. Yep. Sid Fernandez. Who was Bob really Ovina, good, Sid Fernandez. Very good. And Rich Aguilera was their fifth starter. And then I think you had Randy Myers and Jesse Orozco out of the bullpen. Go ahead. Yeah, good and, and I think I think that uh, Bobby Ojeda was their fifth, their their fourth or fifth starter. Yeah. Another left-hander. In that group. Great... You know, he was the only soft tosser in that whole group. Yeah. Bob Ojeda one time threw me 10 straight change-ups. 10. And I kept, you know, like an undisciplined hitter. I just kept launching him over the third base dugout. It's like, you know, it finally popped up. But he just kept throwing me a changeup, and I made no adjustment. None. Great um, Tell me, I just asked uh, Ryan Noda a minute ago, the, the, since, since we last had you on, the, the story has come out that uh, the owner of the Oakland A's has bought a bunch of land uh, not far from the strip over by where Allegiant Stadium, where the Raiders play, um, yeah. with the possibility hoping that uh, they can negotiate some kind of agreement with the city of Las Vegas, the county, the state, whatever it is, and the A's move there. Um, he, he said that the players really don't talk much about it. They're just out to play baseball every day, and he's a young guy. It's his first month in the big right. leagues. Um, you know, look, you never played for Oakland, but you played in Oakland a lot. I'm, I'm not surprised knowing everything going on, that the A's are going to be leaving there, right? The place is a dump. Oakland's a terrible place. You know, when we played the Oakland A's, we stayed, and you know this, Tom, we stayed in San Francisco and bust to Oakland, right, because they felt it was dangerous for the players to be downtown Oakland. I told you when I was on the train, I said it a couple of weeks ago, when we had that train trip and we went by yep. uh, Oakland A's ballpark, I mean, they've got homeless shelters all around the ballpark, yep. right in back of the fence, you know, along the railroad tracks. Oakland's a terrible, terrible place. And I think Las Vegas is going to be great for the A's. The number one attendance that people go to is AAA Las Vegas. So I think they have a pretty good base. You'll get some people from Los Angeles going to see Oakland. So I think it's a, I think it's a win-win. Well, you know, the, the, the thing is, though, they're talking about, and what's amazing about uh, Las Vegas doing so well with their AAA attendance is they're playing outside. And Las Vegas is not a hell of a lot different than Phoenix, 
uh, in the summertime. I mean, can you imagine playing Major League Baseball outside in Vegas or Phoenix where the first pitch on a 6, 7 o'clock game, it's still 102, 103, 104 degrees out there. They're going to they're gonna build, uh, for a Major League team, they're going to build a retractable dome. The last time I went to Vegas was in the middle of summer. I think it was right there in July, into July. I was staying at uh, the MGM Grand, the private pool area, of course, um, <laughs> clothing optional. And the, it was 115 degrees. The water was so uncomfortable that you couldn't even go in the water. That's how hot it was in Vegas. I. I I think you make a good point. I think it has to be a retractable roof, don't you think? Well, yeah, and I think that that's what they're looking at. I was surprised, though, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Uh, if, I, if I remember what I read correctly, it was going to be a retractable dome, but it was only going to be about 37,000 uh, seats. I like that. I yeah. like small, cozy ballparks. I'm sure they'll have a lot of suites, right? Kind of like Well, that's the where Raiders you have. would sit. You wouldn't sit, you know, down with the ham and eggers. I mean... Casey and Paul would probably be sitting somewhere in left center, maybe second deck in left field. But if you're going to a game in Vegas, I mean, when you come to Vegas, you know, I mean, that's like, you know, it's like Elton John coming in to do a week worth of shows or Garth Brooks or somebody. You're sitting in the suites. You say that and you're trying to make fun of me, but you know, I went to a Raider <laughs> game. And, and listen to this, Tom. My buddy's Mark Bidane, who used to be the – uh, president of the Raiders. So actually, I went in the club box and watched the game with some, you know, kind of influential people and actually went to a private party afterwards. So yes, I'm very familiar with that treatment. And, and I really think, and this is just a rumor and don't quote me on this, but they're thinking about having people sit according to zip code in Las Vegas. So if you're from Somerset, you would sit, you know, closer to the field as compared to downtown Vegas. That was just a rumor. You know, that's been floated with the Reds as well. Well, you were the one that actually floated that, if I'm not mistaken. You and Richard from Indian Hill, uh, and you shared that on this program, but it's been a long time. For those of us who are new to the chat, new to the program, I mean, what is your thinking behind that? Well, just you want to be comfortable with people and have things in common when you sit next to someone, right? I mean, could you imagine uh, a person from Bellevue like myself sitting with someone from, um, let's say, Norwood or let's say Terrace Park or Mason? We would have nothing in common. See, but if you sit next to someone like from... You can't Indian even Hill, say this with a straight face. We, uh, let me throw Anderson in there, too, on the terrorist okay, part. All right, okay. <laughs> but you know there's a little truth to it, a little bit of truth. The FQI, right, Tom? Well, explain that again, please, because I think this is, you know, I mean, AI's coming into the world now, right? I mean, there's a lot of right. stuff going on out there, um, and, you know, this – uh, index of yours is perhaps food for thought for some. Right, because it's not how many fans you bring into the ballpark. It's the quality of fans. You don't want someone that's, you know, coming in and, you know, they're going to get the $2 hot dog, which I think brings the FQI down. You know, you want someone that's going to roll it out, unlimited liquor, uh, you know, get good meals, um, and spend some money. You don't want just the, 
I hate to say this, use that expression, the ham and eggers, because let's say, let's say the ham and eggers go to a game. How much are you really going to spend, boys? Guys, are you, you guys want to answer budget? that question? You've been to games this year. You, Paul, you used to go a lot. You mean just grand total on a Reds game? Well, I mean, take the ticket out, I think is what he's saying, because, you know, you, 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 but, but once you get there, whether it's to buy a beer or buy a hot dog or buy sushi or whatever it might be, right? What are you, <laughs> how much money are you spending at the ballpark? 15 bucks, maybe, tops. Unless I buy a 50-50 ticket, then it's pushing me more. Yeah, so as of late, what I've been doing, since I've been to three or four games now this year, buy the cheapest ticket, go sit wherever I want, and I go find the, the $25 all-you-can-eat, and I've paid now for for my, my guests that I bring along and, you know, have five hot dogs and, you know, you know this, right? Shit. What I'm talking about? The no. $5 all you can eat? No. Yeah. All you yeah. can eat. Yeah. That. All you can eat is a ticket. They promo yeah. it at the ballpark. I don't yeah. know how frequently they have it. Maybe once a homestand. Now, Tracy, look, you know, to me, um, you know, there's a part of you here that is not jibing with another part of you here. Okay. You are all about watching and paying attention to money and finances. You give a lot right. of financial advice on this program, especially to Casey with his wedding coming up. What is wrong with doing what Casey just talked about? Buying, getting your ticket. I mean, you talk about efficiency now. You get right. your ticket. Right. You sit in a section where you can go up there and you can wolf down seven, eight, nine dogs. Uh, th now, beer is not included in that deal. No, but soft drinks and hot dogs, stuff like that, right? Peanuts, whatever. Yeah, so you get, I think it's five hot dogs. You get five tickets for five hot dogs, and then you get all you can eat, peanuts, popcorn, chips, and soft drinks. So, I mean, Tracy, uh, li listen, that, to me, that sounds smart. Right. I, I don't, you know, Joey Votto had never tasted Cincinnati chili. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a hot dog. What does a hot dog taste like, Casey? Is it good? Is it? Uh, it's, does it taste like Dungeness crab? No? no, it's it's just filling. It's not it's not really it's not a delicacy. It's it's a filler. I don't agree with that at all. I think hot dogs are fantastic. We had a big tailgate you know what? before I... the lacrosse game last night. Which, by the way, your boy uh, in uh, yeah, Richard in Indian Hill. Um, you know, the dark day for the uh, Braves last night. But I'm just saying, you know, I, I think I think there, you're being a little contradictory here uh, in terms of money yeah. and then in terms of the index. You, you know what, guys? Can I just be serious? You're talking to a guy that the, my dad would bring us to an Angel game. We would get the cheapest seat. We would share a 12-ounce Coke and a bag of peanuts. Please. We would get no extra, no, 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 uh, you know, souvenir. Always wanted a souvenir. Listen, uh, we, it was very sad. But Casey, I, I agree. You know, five hot dogs and and the, and the bag of peanuts. I mean, how can you not watch a game or watch it without peanuts? Love Agreed. peanuts. I love peanuts. Too. I have no idea how you could do that. Alexandria jumps in the comments today and says. Casey just made reference to these friends of his that he buys tickets for that includes the all-you-can-eat. His bride-to-be asked the question, Casey brings all these guests to Reds games, 
but has yet to take me to one. Oh, so sad. Casey, you better get it together. You're, you're not, you're not Mary Jane going to last two years. You have to have something in common. I thought you guys, Alexandria, I thought you guys liked your baseball. I thought that's something that you had in common. And you haven't taken her, her to a, a ball game? You are a selfish bastard. Keith <laughs> says in the chat, Casey, welcome to the doghouse. Get used to it. I took her to pretty much... Well, I can't say pretty much. I, I did take her to two football games last year. One was a playoff game. Ooh. And then and then this year I've not taken her to a Reds game because she would much rather go to the Reds game for the zoo night. Well, or, they have SPCA but, Cincinnati night too, don't yeah. Or yeah, or the dog. Uh, yeah, yeah, or that. Bark in the park. Bark, Bark in, in the, the park. park. Right. Which I will probably take her to that. And yes, Keith yes. adds, the couch will be made for you when you get home. <laughs> Tracy, ever been put out on the couch? Danae just says, out to the couch. You know, absolutely not. And I, I'll tell you why. I never, and here, this is all seriousness. This is one of those serious points where I'm going to give you some really good advice, Casey. Ooh, all of you listening here. to. Here we go. Dialed in. Now, here we go. And my dad <laughs> taught me this. And they... Here we go. Write it down. Don't ever go to bed mad at each Ooh, other. That's a very good one. That's a good one. And I tell you what, if I go to bed mad, we're going to continue this tomorrow. And then the next day and the next day, because I, I don't like to fight. Believe it or not, I don't like to fight and argue. But if you want to fight, I'm pretty good at it. And I can argue and I can say some, some things that I end up regretting. But my wife and I, believe it or not, I bet you I've gone to bed in 20 years, maybe twice mad at her and, and mad at each other. But that's, wow. a, that's a little secret. Tom, you agree with that? Well, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty yeah, – well, yes, I agree with it in theory. But, I mean, there's a big difference between theory and practice, right? I, I think it's pretty easy. I mean, someone's got to be the bigger person say, hey, listen, let's let's talk about this tomorrow. Let's resolve it. I love you. Good night. Isn't that a little too mushy? But that's what. No, I that's, think that's. I always I, find, that is very good. My advice. wife always ends up apologizing to me. I don't know why she does that. She, she knows how to manipulate me. It's incredible. She she'll, She apologizes. wasn't even her fault. But she knows when she apologizes, then I apologize, and then I end up buying her something, like a purse. Travis NDA says, I once took an ex-girlfriend to bark in the park. She wouldn't stop howling. <laughs> that, that, I bet you she was a slump buster. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm talking about his girlfriend. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah I'm sure. Um, all right, look, here is one question, though, I want to ask you. This is a two-part. Is it safe to say when you're a Major League Baseball player, because I heard this debated somewhere yesterday, is it safe to say that when you're a Major League Baseball player, you like playing in front of big crowds and you're energized by big crowds in your home ballpark? Is that safe to say yes? Right. I would agree. Okay. I would agree with that, 100%. Right. Then, then what do you think um, 
How do you explain how well Tampa Bay does with virtually no one there in their ballpark? Well, I think it's got to be pretty disheartening for teams to come into a ballpark and play in front of that few of fans. I think Tampa Bay, that, that organization, last time I looked, they were 20-3, and three, Tom. They're 20-5. I mean, they've, they've had uh, their first two-game losing streak. But, yes, I know what you're and, saying. And as far as their – the highest person on the payroll makes seven million dollars. I mean, that is the blueprint, and I'm sure those guys get in their own little minds and their, you know, the 25 man roster and just work it. Say we know what we have to do, but they just go about taking business, taking care of business. Think about it; it's got to be tough for the home team to play in front of those few fans, but it also has to be tough. I don't, as an opposing team, want to walk into a ballpark and see 5,000 fans. I've done that before. I did it in yep. Cleveland. Did it in Atlanta when they were bad teams? Yeah, it's really tough. So I think they're just used to it. Okay. I'm right. talking about because, I mean, because the Reds, I mean, the last three days, uh, you know, they had 8,000, 8,000, uh, 10,000 yesterday. Uh, and, I mean, they take it to the Rangers. Yeah. I, I, that, and I want to bring that up. You know, we talked about last time, I said, the team needs a team meeting, right? David yep, Bell needs you did. to Call the guys out. We said that, right? Because they play with very uh, lackluster going out there. They weren't playing well at all. So they lose the four games to the Pirates. They come to come back home. I said they needed a meeting. Then you have team meetings. You said that David Bell would not call a team meeting and call out players. And you were exactly right. However, they did have a team meeting. I don't know if you guys touched on that. It was Monday afternoon. It was a players-only meeting. And so that obviously got players' juices going, and played a lot better in that series against Texas, which was a big surprise. I was a little shocked they played so well. Well, I am too. I was also surprised, though, that Texas, uh, for a team that thinks they're going to be a contender, has the bullpen they have. I mean, we've been raking the Reds' bullpen over the Coles uh, the very early part of this season. I think they're down in the top three, four, five in the National League now in terms of ERA. Uh, but Texas, they're not going to win anything. Uh, with that bullpen, uh, they got no yeah. chance. You're throwing three, two breaking yeah. balls, Tracy, three, two breaking balls leading by a run with two outs and the bases loaded in the eighth inning. You walk Ridiculous. in two runs and you're throwing three, two breaking balls. Just terrible. You know, if I was a general manager, my number one focus, of course, if I couldn't afford the starters, would to really make that bullpen top notch that you had, you know, seven guys down there that could blow cheese and, and were really, you know, you had a couple left-handers down there. I'm thinking if you have are a starter, you should be able to get five innings, don't you think, Tom? Twice through the lineup and well, then turn it over to the bullpen and let them go through. I mean, you've got to be able to have the bullpen pitchers. And what's really turned it around for the Reds is they've gotten pretty good bullpen, right, yes, since have. the first couple of weeks. Yeah, really, so it really. it really is. It's a positive. And they're getting guys back healthy again. I mean, they brought a couple of young guys up. Uh, they got Lucas Sims back now. Uh, they're hoping to get T.J. Antone back, who, if you just went by pure stuff, he has the best stuff of any of those guys down there, including Alexis Diaz. Uh, but unfortunately, he's just been unable to, to, to get on the mound uh, down at the ballpark. So will you hey. be watching the um, NFL draft tonight? You know I will. I will watch that. I'm is, shocked. Is, is, is C.J. Stroud, is he going to drop because of that cognitive testing? 
I say Did no. You... I think he's still going to be the number one pick in the draft. Should we get Tracy to Did take the test get... with us? <laughs> no. oh, pass well, flying I'm not a good test taker. I got to cheat. I was sat next to the smartest guy and cheated off them in high school and, and college. But did he really grade an 18? Uh, you know, the, it, it's success. one of those where the story has kind of leaked out. I don't know because ever since then, there have been stories that have come out that, it, that are saying this is inaccurate. It's not true. It was this. It was that. I don't think I mean, the only people that know are the people that know, know. Um, but, you know, but here's I mean, the deal I mean, with like that. You go ahead. No, here's the deal with that. They've, there's never been a successful quarterback that has graded under 70 in that cognitive test. And I just heard that he got 18. I well, can't it's a different test. That. It's a different test now. Paul actually was calling the company very late at night last night uh, to try and find out if we could take this test on the air to see how each of us does. Would you be willing to do that? Absolutely not. Um, but I did get a 94 on my Series 7 test, which is harder than actually getting a law degree in uh, in the state of Ohio. But you know what? I'm a poor judge of quarterbacks. You know who I liked? Here's my thought. Demarcus Russell. Remember him? Well, I remember him well. Vince Young. I like Todd Blackledge better than Marino. And I like Todd Marinovich. I thought he was going to be like Kenny Stabler. So my judgment in quarterbacks is a little bit lacking. You know, if I were to, it's funny you bring up the name Todd Marinovich because we're running out of time here. But um, for anybody that is into watching documentaries and all that kind of thing, um, because I, you and I, Tracy, are roughly the same age, and we remember yeah. the Marinovich rage when this kid was coming up through high school. You know, he was yes. out there with you in the sunny confines of California. Uh, but, 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 but this was a guy that people were, were writing about and his father uh, who played professional football, the training regimen that, that he was undergoing as a 12 and 13 and 14 year old, the numbers he was putting up in high school, he goes to USC, he's a big star. Uh, and, and, and then to then watch what happened to him and his story spiraling completely out of control where one day he's living on the street uh, as a homeless guy addicted to yeah. everything known to man, it, it is one of the most incredible stories that I have ever read or watched. And you, you had to think that that could happen as hard as his dad pushed on him. I mean, Tom, he wanted that kid to be the best quarterback in college. Well, high school he was. College, he was pretty good at USC. With the, uh, with the Raiders, he wasn't that good, but his dad pushed and pushed and pushed. And Tom, that should be a red flag for you and your kid, okay? I don't wanna see what, what you, I don't wanna see you push this poor kid who is probably the best goalie in lacrosse, would you say in the Midwest? So please no, I wouldn't, I would live. not say that well, in the Midwest. No, I would not, point. but he, he's, he's done don't, okay. He's done great, but don't live your failures as an athlete through your kid, okay? You weren't athletic. Your kid is very athletic. Got it from Polly, who's athletic. So please, don't take it out on your kid. Just let him develop on his own. Encourage okay. him. Okay. Todd Marinovich was the 24th pick in the first round uh, out of USC in 1991. He's now 53 years young and lives in some place. You would know where this place is. San Leandro, California. 
You know, I don't know that place. It must be down south. Hey, real quick, and I don't know if you guys touched on this. You know, Jerry Springer died. I know. We were talking today. about it earlier, and I worked with him for a number it's, of years at Channel 5. Very, I like Very, very sad news. Great dude. Great Great yeah. guy. I used to talk to Jerry occasionally. He'd be on my show in the afternoon. One time when I was playing with the Reds, he was taping downtown Fountain Square, stopped the commercial to come over to me to say how much he appreciated the way I played the game of baseball. Yep. I thought that was very He was close. a huge Always baseball fan. Huge baseball fan. Huge baseball. Yeah, very sad. All right, Tracy, we'll Good let me. you go. Have a great weekend. We'll catch up with you again on Tuesday. Don't put too much pressure on your kid. Okay, Tom? Please. Too late. Too late. Suck it up. Let's go. State or nothing. <laughs> I'll see you, boys. All Have right, a good weekend. See you later. See you, All Tracy. right, we have a um, UDF cherry um, on top. We do. We're going to talk real quick here. Uh, some, real quick. S some betting lines here real quick. Just again, defensive lineman plus 350 for, uh, for the Bengals. Cornerback plus 220. Tight end, now the favorite, plus 185. Wow. Okay. There we go. All right, UDF. Cherry on top. Please, Paul, set the stage for us here. This was Trace Fowler yesterday on Chatterbox Live. Chatterbox Reds live watching the Nick Senzel home run to walk it off. Give me a big hit. Get up! Get out of here! Get out of here! Talk to me! Talk to me! Chat! You told me I was stupid! Nick Sinzel, baby! Nick Sinzel! Hit a home run before Jake Fraley! I didn't forget! I made the pull! I seen all you losers! I seen you! Talk to me, Nick! Woo! Woo! Elite. Does it get any better than that? It doesn't get any better than that. No, it does not. He, you know, he's from right here in Hamilton, Hamilton Joe. He'd be screaming at him, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. Right? But he wasn't dropping the, woo! <laughs> I probably watched that like four or five times, I won't lie. That's I good. just kept chuckling every time. I didn't see the end, so you told me, wait till we played on the cherry on top. Play it live. It's good stuff. Great stuff. The boss, CEO, head man, Trace Fowler, Chatterbox. All right, is there anything coming up now? We're good. We're good. Yep. We're all right, and nothing coming up. I mean, uh, oh no, no, we talked. Reed and I, yeah, we we checked all the boxes with the with the lines and stuff. We'll talk about the show for tomorrow, and uh, we'll be good. Okay. All right, gentlemen, enjoy the draft tonight, and bring your A game tomorrow for rounds two and three. Hopefully, uh, I'm not too depressed. <laughs> Tom, you and I are gonna have to do that wellness check we do when. We walk uh, the in, the scale. Bengals, have, Bengals yeah. have, have lost a game yeah, or something, something, and you kind of give me that little side eye, and I kind of give you that little side eye, and we're like, man, we got to do a little wellness check on Casey. Breathe. Deep breaths in. Good thoughts. Exhale the bad thoughts, right? Spiritual breathing. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us, gentlemen. Thank you. The rest right. of you have a great day. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow.